We are living in the most dangerous time in human history. That is from the newspaper Dawn, in an article headed, Cost to the Climate. I'm Robert McLean, your host of Climate Conversations, and this is the latest episode. Welcome. It's so great to have you on board. Climate Conversations is assembled here in Shepparton, in northern Victoria, Australia, on the lands of the Yorta Yorta people. Yes, the stolen lands of the Yorta Yorta people, and I pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. We'll go back to that story for a second, and you'll find a link to the entire production in the show notes. The pace of climate change impact is outstripping efforts being made at the global level to reduce the rate of planetary warming. This disconnect is symptomatic of a deeper malaise of the dangerous times we live in. At the 2015 Climate Summit, 196 countries recognized human activity as the cause of a rapidly warming world. Yet seven years later, there is continued resistance by the developed countries to commit to a mitigation schedule that provides hope of a safer world. The history of civilization is rife with wars. Mankind has learned no lessons from the perils of overambition and the virtue of containment. The inherent urge to impose, dictate terms of engagement and demand validation of governance models, as part of an allegiance pact, has put the planet at the periphery of risk where brinkmanship can cause incalculable damage. Today, food and energy are being used as weapons of war. Tomorrow, access to water or withholding flows may become a catalytic tool for enhancing political clout. The times we live in require calibrated caution in policy and wisdom in crafting a balanced future that maintains equilibrium. Taking current trends into account it seems that brutal egos, economic populism and crippling geopolitical rifts will continue to define the contours of this critical decade. We are living in the most dangerous time in human history. The clash of governance systems, misplaced power calculus and unlimited quest for control, will be the cause of the downfall of development gains made in this century. Intense rivalry is on the ascendant and clashes to capture critical resources is pitting big powers against each other. Vulnerable and developing countries will be caught in the middle of strategic realignments and will need astute stewardship to navigate stormy waters. And from ABC News we hear, floods rejuvenate Australia's environment, yet have a sting in the tail for many species. As 2022 has unfolded, repeated flood events have proved devastating for scores of communities in the eastern states, destroying lives and livelihoods. But for nature, floods are a good thing, a critical life-giving force, right? It's comforting silver lining in the face of devastating natural disaster. But like floodwaters themselves, the reality is far more murky. Scientists say back-to-back extreme events are complicating and compounding the environmental outcomes of floods. So while many species are surviving and thriving because of the floods, others are now struggling due to starvation and displacement. And now we head to the New York Times. Warning on mass extinction of sea life. An oh my god moment. The story begins. At first the scientists chose a straightforward title for their research. Marine extinction risk from climate warming. But as publication approached, something nagged at them. Their findings illustrated two drastically different outcomes for ocean life over the next three centuries. 
depending on whether greenhouse gas emissions were sharply curbed or continued to pace. Somehow it seemed the study's name conjured only doom. We're about to send it in and I thought, gee, it sounds like a title that only has the dark side of the result, said Curtis Dooch, professor of geosciences at Princeton University who studies how climate change affects the ocean, not on the bright side. So he and his co-author, Justin L. Penn, added an important word they hoped would highlight their finding that their grim scenario outlined by their results could still be well avoided. And from Climate Action we hear, circular strategies could cut emissions from materials used in vehicles by 60% by 2040. A combination of recycling, improved material use, reuse and manufacturing of components and scaling of new mobility business models can create a circularity revolution in the sector, according to the Bain study. Mobility currently accounts for a third, that's 30% of global emissions, with circularity set to play a key role in reducing lifetime emissions. European automakers are the world's leaders in circularity at present, with a rate of 40%, driven largely through strong EU regulation but the focus is shifting to ensure circularity is baked into the design phase of vehicles with recycle content mandates, bands report, reuse, remanufacturing, recycling and robo-cabs. Circularity in the automotive industry reports. Back at the New York Times we hear renewables will overtake coal by early 2025, energy agency says. Worldwide, growth in renewable power capacity is set to double by 2027, adding as much renewable power in the next five years as it did in the past two decades, the International Energy Agency said Tuesday. Renewables are poised to overtake coal as the largest source of electric generation by early 2025, the report found, a pattern driven in large part by a global energy crisis linked to the war in Ukraine. This is a clear example of how the current energy crisis can be a historic turning point towards a cleaner and more secure energy system, said Fatabi Roll, the IEA Executive Director, in a news release. And from ABC News we hear, electric trucks could reduce peak hour traffic and climate emissions if they're exempt from curfews, transport experts say. Quiet electric trucks could transform how cities operate but only if regulation keeps up with emerging technology. Currently, diesel trucks are subject to urban curfews set by states or local councils to limit noise pollution at night on residential streets. Electric truck manufacturer SEA Electric's Asia-Pacific Vice President Glenn Walker said if electric trucks were exempt, more businesses would be adding them to their fleets. In the context of trucks rumbling past houses, waking people up, An electric vehicle wouldn't do that, he said. You notice the wind noise past the side view mirror. You notice a squeak in the seat. There's an opportunity for a silent delivery of freight of an evening. Mr Walker said it would also make it cheaper for running costs for EV fleets, which could charge during the day using solar. Perth now tells us half of new cars to be electric by 2030. The story says... Almost half of new cars sold in Australia by 2030 will be battery electric vehicles, according to a new analysis of Australian government policy by the Climate Work Centre. 
but the think tank warned this target will fall short of limiting climate change to 2 degrees Celsius and would need to be significantly higher to limit higher temperature rises to 1.5 degrees Celsius. The analysis from its Government Climate Action Report released on Wednesday investigated state, territory and federal government policies on climate change and found they had made promising steps towards Australia's net zero emissions target by 2050. Climate Works Centre spokeswoman Alison Cleary said investments and policy changes at all levels of government over the past year had improved areas of Australia's climate outlook, even though more action was required to meet interim targets. And from the Herald Sun we hear, Brisbane to swelter through its hottest day in three years. The story begins. Brisbane could record its hottest day in three years as a heatwave grips Queensland. Temperatures are set to reach a staggering 46 degrees Celsius in some inland parts of the state this week, particularly in outback towns such as Birdsville. The mercury will peak at 37 degrees Celsius in Brisbane by Thursday, when a possible storm will break the hot snap and send temperatures down slightly. However, the temperature will stay above 26 degrees Celsius for the rest of the week. According to the Bureau of Meteorology, the sudden hot change is due to a low-pressure system moving away from New South Wales. And from the New Daily we hear, warning as heatwave hits across northern Australia. The story begins. People across Queensland, Western Australia and Northern Territory are being urged to keep fluids up and stay in the shade or indoors as a severe heatwave forecast sets temperatures soaring this week. The Bureau of Meteorology has issued a severe heatwave warning for a vast swathe of Queensland stretching from Coolangatta North to Townsville and across to the Northern Territory border. The only areas of the state outside the warning zone are southwest Queensland and Cape York. The warning also takes in most of the NT, including the Daly, Arnhem, Carpentaria, Gregory, Barclay, Lasseter and Tenamine districts. And from Euronews Green, we hear, there is a disconnect. What activists thought of UN Chief Guthrus after meeting him at COP15? The story says, United Nations Secretary-General Antonio Guthrus met with young people from around the world on Tuesday to discuss biodiversity on the eve of COP15 talks in Montreal, Canada. Nearly 200 countries will try to hammer out a new global framework, including a cornerstone 30 by 30 proposal to protect 30% of the Earth's land and oceans by 2030. Swetha Sotra Beshenham is the Global South focal point for the Global Youth Biodiversity Network. She says the discussion with Gatteris showed there was still a generational gap when it comes to environmental concerns. The conversation itself had interesting points, but it also seems that there is a disconnect, a little bit at least, about how young people are thinking and some of the key things that the world is talking about. Like the 30 by 30 are nature-based solutions, which are things that young people have different views on. And now, from the Atlantic, we can read The Future of Mud. A Sengalese architecture firm is championing a lower-tech material than concrete to help cities prepare for climate change. And now, from Inside Climate News, we read Society can't slow climate change without running in big tech, new report warns. Any effort to curb global greenhouse gas emissions and stave off catastrophic warming 
is doomed to fail unless far more is done to address the foundational role of big tech companies now playing exacerbating the climate crisis. That's the solution of a new report released last week by the international environment non-profit Global Action Plan. From amplifying conspiracy theories and misinformation to their increasingly massive energy footprint, the world's biggest tech companies aren't only making global warming worse, the report said, but pose a systemic digital roadblock to effective climate action by driving unsustainable consumerism, increasing political division and pushing further away from democracy. Finally, we hear from ABC News. The global economy is in the midst of an epochal shift as 2023 looms. Here are the five things shaping our future. The story begins. The first Tuesday of the month has been a regular source of anguish for many Australians, and tomorrow promises more of the same. But relief may well be in sight. The pace of interest rate hikes already has slowed, and with no Reserve Bank meeting in January, we may be approaching a period where Philip Lowe and his compadres can afford to sit back and survey the damage. Much of the rest of the developed world is following suit. The big kahuna of America's central bank, Jerome Powell, said last week out loud that the pace of hikes would be slowing, maybe even as early as this month, sending Wall Street to the moon. Only New Zealand seems to be hell-bent on deliberately driving the economy into recession at breakneck speed. Everyone else suddenly seems to be easing back at the brakes. You'll find links to all those stories in the show notes. Yes, we've reached the end of this episode of Climate Conversations. Thanks so much for your company. So until we talk again, please take care, stay safe, and please be kind. For everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. And please, if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it with your friends. And until we talk again, please take care.